Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hey parents, you're listening to the Project Parenthood podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nanika Kaur, clinical psychologist and respectful parenting therapist. Since 1992, when the city of Berkeley, California, officially replaced Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day, it's been a day to recognize and honor the continued resilience of Indigenous peoples who experienced the historical and ongoing traumas of colonization, genocide, stolen lands, harmful misconceptions, and systemic racism. It's also been a day to acknowledge the continued existence of Indigenous peoples and to celebrate Indigenous contributions and culture. The dominant culture's perspective on parenting derives mostly from research done by middle-class white men on middle-class white college students and families, then extrapolated to all people as default best practices. This is one of the reasons it's important to highlight and uplift parenting practices that existed before colonialism, that were and continue to be undervalued. To help put the spotlight on Indigenous parenting practices, I interviewed Lorraine Brave. She's a consultant for the National Indian Child Welfare Association, an organization that strives to eliminate child abuse and neglect by strengthening Indigenous families, tribes, and the laws protecting them. As a positive Indian parenting program trainer, she trains parent facilitators to implement the program with parents in their communities. I think you'll enjoy our conversation and come away with a better understanding of the issues facing Indigenous communities in the U.S. and some principles of the positive Indian parenting program that anyone can use to enhance their parenting. Lorraine Brave, MSW, of the Mohawk Tribe, is based in Portland, Oregon, and is a consultant at the National Indian Child Welfare Association, or NICWA. As an advocate for Native families and their children since the passing of the Indian Child Welfare Act, she's traveled across the United States and Canada, providing workshops, presentations, and consultations to many tribes, social agencies, universities, and colleges as far away as New Zealand. As one of the founding board members of NICWA, she has continued over the years to stay involved as a volunteer, trainer, and facilitator. She has a broad background in Indian child welfare, personally experiencing many roles from caseworker to manager and director in both the state government and Native American agencies. Here's my chat with Lorraine. Welcome, Lorraine. It's so great. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining Project Parenthood and talking to us a little bit today about positive Indian parenting. And I'd like you just to tell us a little bit about who you are. 
Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's always an honor when someone's interested in the work that we do as Native people. So thank you. And I'm a consultant for the National Indian Child Welfare Association, and I'm 71 now. So when you're 71, you get to do anything you want, and I get to do the Posvind Indian Pairing. I love doing it. Oh, my gosh. I want to, can I just, I have to just say that, like, can I have this going on when I'm 71? Because that's like, that's, that's, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, it's very rewarding. I love doing it. I've been teaching this across the country, the United States and Canada. So I'm always hearing new stories, new legends. And I train parent facilitators to work with the parents in their community. And I just love their enthusiasm. They're the warriors for our family. And they're not always Native. We have a lot of allies who also want to support us and help us and are very interested in how we traditionally uh, raised our children. So it's been a really good thing. And so I am one of the founding board members. Uh, Positive Indian Parenting was developed in the 80s. Um, and at that time, I was the director of an Indian child welfare program working with at-risk parents. And so I had the opportunity to implement this, work with it. And so today, to be able to train trainers is a gift for me. And just to see that it lasts for over 30 years. But well, for one, tradition doesn't change. (laughs) So you can have a curriculum for over 30 years. And, you know, we later became the National Indian Child Welfare Association in the 90s because there was such a need due to the high removal of Native children. We can't talk about this without talking about the Indian Child Welfare Act. Which you could, please could do. Spend, please we do. Could spend a whole podcast on that, but <laughs> we can. But can you just give us a little snippet of what you mean about the re- the removal from homes? Sure. Like just a little, like well, sure. Background. So, um, so the Indian Child Welfare Act came about because in the late seventies, there were um, Native people went to Congress and testified. Uh, grandmas, grandpas, aunties, uncles, tribal leaders, and they said our children are being removed at a high rate and we don't know where they are. We can't find them. Or we have children return to our tribal community broken. And so who have never known their families or their extended fair or what it was to be a native person. And so Congress did do the research and they found that one in every three Native children were removed, and of those one in every three, 80% were in non-Native homes. But basically, the Indian Child Welfare Act basically says, before you place children in stranger care, look at relatives, look at grandparents, and uh, look at uh, their their tribal community, seeing them as an extended family. And sometimes that's hard for people to think of because they think of reservation or native communities like neighborhoods. They're not neighborhoods. We're sovereign nations. We have a culture, a language, a way of of life. And so when you're a native child, you have a political status in that you are a citizen of the United States and also a citizen of your tribe. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about what the Positive Indian program actually is and what it involves? Sure. I mean, it's really learning about the old ways that they're just as important today as they were 500 years ago. And in the way that parents can make a choice about what kind of parent they want to be um, and learning about where they were parented and how that was. Like sometimes parents know what they don't want to do, but they don't they don't have a lot of tools to figure out how to do it differently, right? Uh, even in things they say or do. So, you know, I say, you know, you could slap a kid, you'll get their attention, uh, certainly. But do you want blind obedience out of fear? Or do you want a child um, who will self-discipline themselves, be reflective, make good choices? Because that doesn't happen when you have harsh kinds of restrictions or things like that. So an example, like for a young child, um, you know, you have company coming, they have their toys all over and you say, I told you so many times, put those toys away. And you get really mad and get those toys out of here. And, um, you know, this is a common thing. Or you could do it the nurturing way, the native patient way. And you say, because this is confusing to a child. You gave me these toys. You like them. I love them. Why are you mad about my toys? They're not understanding. They totally don't get that companies coming over. They don't care. They don't know. Their brains don't know anything about that. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. They don't know. So, but you could see, you know, when people come over, um, they need to step on one of these toys because they're all in the way in their walkway. Um, you might want to just keep one or two out or, you know, they could trip over one. And I know how much you like your toys. So maybe it's best to put them away while companies are like you could have this whole discussion and the child could be thinking, yeah. Right. Okay. You can talk to them like people and you can tell yeah. them what your problem is and enlist their help in solving it. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same thing with the, uh, with teenage. It's their job to push the limits. That's their job. They're totally. teenagers. <laughs> totally. It's our job to set up those barriers or boundaries or guidelines. But it is a way to think about parenting in a different way. And if you've never known that possibility, then because because of our history, you know, that our children were removed as young as four years old and sent to military type schools, right? And just uh, imagine what that was like. Our languages were against the law, drumming the heartbeat of the people against the law. Our songs, which are considered prayer, were against the law. There was so much taken away. And, you know, one time I heard an elder when I was a young person uh, say, you know, they took our land and they tried to take our way of life, but I never thought they'd take our children. And when you think about how painful that would be. And so they came back learning a shaming kind of way to raise children. That wasn't our way, right? That wasn't that we had these legends and these stories and um, to really help us. So one of the fallouts of that is that among our youth, we have a high highest suicide rate in the world, in the world, and um, high addiction and drug uh, um, challenges and um, not graduating from high school. And 
you know, it's during the identity years, like between 10 and 34, those are your identity years. That's So when you're not connected to anything, you don't see yourself as being part of this community. But today we have the research that shows children that are drumming, singing, being part of their culture um, are not committing suicide. They're not drinking. Um, They are uh, graduating from high school. Yes. Are there any myths that you feel about Indigenous peoples that you would like to debunk? Yeah, I think one is that um, we were just savages running around with no, we had, we had government, (laughs) we had leadership. I'm Mohawk from the Iroquois Nation. We were known for not having any wars for over 300 years. No one can say that. Benjamin Franklin was an Indian agent for us, and he saw how we had representatives from each of the tribes. And so our government is copied after the Iroquois Nation, not Parliament. So why isn't that something we learn in schools? Caucus is a Native word. You know, just the idea of getting together and con- doing leadership around consensus. So in Native community, the leaders served us. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you lobster mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The days are officially getting longer. And while there may be a bit more daylight, do you still feel like there isn't enough time to do things like plan and shop for healthy meals? Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. Take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your health goals, your tastes, the appliances you use, and more. Then, they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week, along with delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole, trusted ingredients. Save hours planning, shopping, and cooking. Hungry Root delivers food you'll love. As a busy parent striving for healthier eating, Hungry Root has been a game changer for our family. Our box was filled with fresh, high-quality ingredients and simple recipes tailored to our tastes and preferences. One feature we particularly loved was the ability to customize our meals by swapping ingredients, making mealtime exciting and adaptable to our needs. Ordering was a breeze, and the convenience of having everything delivered to our door saved us valuable time. Hungry Root truly made our weekly meals easier and better, allowing us to enjoy nutritious and delicious dishes 
without the stress of planning and shopping. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Project Parenthood listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com Parenthood to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com Parenthood. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Can you talk a little bit about hierarchies and how hierarchies work and how adult versus children kind of idea in terms of the, the principles of positive Indian parenting? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question because I think that's also another reason why people didn't think we had discipline because we really saw our children as equal and re- respecting and hearing what they had to say. And even though you know there are over 500 tribes that are left today who survive, but many of them in some form believe that children were a gift from the creator. So that's going to be very different than upon contact and colonization, children were seen as property. I wasn't here 500 years ago. Sometimes people would say, well, I would, well, that wasn't me. I wasn't here, you know. And I'll say, well, I wasn't here either 500 years ago, but I'm impacted every day by the decisions, the policies, the things that were written about Native people. So People don't realize that there was like 70 million indigenous people. And within about 100 years, it was about a million. I think the other things we want to see is we have survived. We're still here. There are people who think Native people don't exist anymore. We're all dead. Exactly. Exactly. The, the, the idea of speaking of Native peoples as if it's a past tense, in the past It's always the past, yes. yes. We're in the past. Our museum, you mm-hmm. know, we're now starting to have Native people involved with me, but museums always talk about us like we're gone, we're dead, right? Or anthropologists who mm-hmm. study Native people. We're still here. Right. And we believe because of that genetic memory, we have been able to maintain maybe not everything about our culture, even though it went underground. Those legends and stories are so important today as they were in the past. So when I go to different communities, they have their own stories. I help, you know, think about what they are. And maybe if we get together, we can figure out, you know, several of those stories. Or we can invite storytellers or we can turn parenting, you know, how or get parents to talk to elders, I mean, get connected. What what story do you remember? And so they become involved with this learning. And it's all about values, right? Respect, honesty. And, you know, I think about my own dad would say, you know, I, the only thing you can give away is honesty. You cannot take it away. If you're an honest person, you mm. cannot take it away. That's who you are. And I will always believe you. because, And no matter what the evidence is, I'll believe you because you always tell me the truth. And my sister have talked about that. Like, we always told the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, because we... But we learned that from a young age, like right. hearing that. So by the time we were teenagers, you know, we tried, we might not have said everything we were doing, but we didn't lie, <laughs> which is a little bit different. You so, massaged the truth. <laughs> so, so can you tell me, so you told me that the first, uh, the first principle we talked about was um, the the history, like learning about the historical trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's week two about? Oh, I should tell you, like I have my book right here. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so we for, the first uh, session is about traditional parenting, what that meant, how they did it. So, so also, you know, when I was talking about um, how you can sit down with your children and reflect, but instead of saying, what did you do wrong? <laughs> we traditionally, you would say, what did you learn? Wow, doesn't that have a different impact? Right. Because Looking at something through a positive lens, like there's something that happened that's positive. You learned something. You learned something. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to say rather than, I want you to sit in the corner and I want you to think about what you did wrong rather than, sure. okay, I would like you to have a quiet moment and I'm going to get back to you and you tell me what you learned. Isn't that very nurturing and yeah. uh, loving? So, that's a little bit about traditional parenting. Mm-hmm. And then we have lessons of the storytellers. So this is where um, um, the parents can share stories. The parent facilitators can bring stories, have a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what did they learn from that story? And and have their children tell them they make up the best stories. It doesn't have to be a old traditional story. It can be a contemporary story. But you learn a lot uh, and you learn from using your heart, your eyes, your ears. It's different than being told, these are the list of things you're supposed to do and not do. Right? You're By storytelling, you're building a relationship. Children want to be quiet. Even adults, like everybody loves a, sto- a good storytelling. Absolutely. Right? Um, Absolutely. So, and understanding feelings. So, you know, whether it's coyote or in my tribe was corn hustle, they get into mischief and trouble, but they always bounce back. It's good for kids to hear that. And we still the resilience piece. We were talking yeah. about that just before we started talking. The the idea of both of our communities, the resilience that's there that doesn't often get celebrated. Great. And they learn that parents have feelings, too. Isn't that interesting? And it's okay. And it's Um, okay to have feelings. And parents are fallible, just humans, just like you. Yeah. And then they would have uh, opportunity to think about walking it. We call it walking in your child's moccasin. So they have opportunities like to say, okay, here's a scenario for your child. How could you, what could you say? Right. What might you say to show that you understand the feeling rather than saying, well, why did you do that? How come you did that? You should never do that again. Rather like, you know, can you tell me what what was going on? The power of just understanding that that you keep using the word nurturing. And I'm I'm really hearing that. And just that understanding, the nurturing is in the under the trying to understand. Right. Right. And for teenagers, it's different. You might have scenarios. These are scenarios that could come up. What might you be able to do? Rather than just, again, punishment only teaches you not to get caught. It does not teach you a lesson. But also we're telling parents, it's your choice. I'm just sharing this with you. No one's a perfect parent. I haven't met them. (laughs) Absolutely. Nobody is perfect. There is no perfect parent. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) (laughs) And you can have two uh, kids that they have the same two parents and they're completely different. And what works with one doesn't work with the other. These are just tools, your ideas to work with. And we hope that you'll make the choice to be a positive parent, right? 
So those are the choices. We also have a session, which is lessons of the cradle board. Not every tribe uses the cradle board, but talks about the importance of bonding, touching, holding, um, and uh, swaddling um, a child. And every tribe- The physical learned, affection, the physical the closeness. Physical. And mm -hmm. if you grew up in boarding school, there was no touching, hugging, or loving. And so, you know, in my- early days as a, a social worker, you know, parents would say, I put a roof over their head. What else did I give them food? They have everything they need. But, you know, they're not playing ball with them. They're not sitting down and having conversations with them. That's also part of being a parent. Yeah. Right? And the nurturing <laughs> part, right? It's not just sort of watering and like watering and feeding, <laughs> right? Like sort of like there's other things too. And, you know, I'm wondering, um, so we talked about the old ways, we talked about cradle board, what else come, what else do the, do they leave with by the time that they've gone through these eight weeks? Yeah. So they talk about harmony and child rearing that you set that up. It doesn't happen naturally, right? So how do you have harmony and peace um, in the home? And how can you plan for it? And what they did traditionally and what you can still apply to today. So whether that's having, you know, quiet time or uh, time to, um, you know, maybe, you know, in the past they would say, uh, you know, observe this anthill. What, what did you learn? What did you see? They said, you know, kids say, oh, nothing. Okay, go again. Look at it and tell me what <laughs> what you see. What did you learn? Right? So they'll, they'll get the idea about having balance and... And mindfulness, uh, right? Like a, yeah. a quiet, some sort of being still and being quiet and just noticing what's happening. And what's happening around them and uh, learning what to teach them. So there's, um, so you can have um, harmony today by avoiding certain problems. So an example might be, we keep a list of the food we want at the store. It's on the refrigerator. We're gonna, so if we go to the store together, we know we're gonna get what's on this list, right? And if you see something you want that's not on the list, we can put it on the list for next time. We can just talk about it and so that there's not a big crying fit or hysterical in the store. Right, like being proactive. You have a conversation beforehand and sort of think about what, the trouble you might get in later right, <laughs> in, the right. in the grocery store aisle. <laughs> and and you think, what can I do? Let's have a conversation and, and talk about our expectations of this grocery store trip, right? And what we can do if we're feeling like we really want something. Here's a plan. This is our plan. Right. So you don't want to have that discussion in the store while the child's having a meltdown. And can't do it then. Totally embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, so there are things that certainly you can uh, plan for and um, and we call it tra traditional behavior management mm. like you know what is it um, we know things are going to come up so what can you do uh, ahead of time right, right? how can so, we set our how can we set them up for success how can we set ourselves as parents up for success ahead of time I think that's really so, important yeah, so for some parents, if they grew up in boarding school or foster care or something like that, they may never have had anyone praise them. You have to figure out ways to set them up that you know they'll be successful so you can praise them. You can do that. 
that. And um, yeah, you can think about every day, you might have to work hard at it for some kids that they did that you really enjoyed or you mm-hmm. really ways that you appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because every day you're going to tell them something they should have been doing or shouldn't have been doing, or why did you do that? And so for them every day to know that there's going to be something you're going to be thankful for, whether they wash the dishes, they put their stuff away, maybe they made their bed. They're going to hear something positive from you. But if you had the military kind of, uh, raised in that way, then you're the expectation, you should do that. Mm-hmm. And so there is no praise. Right, this is right. what you should be doing is different right. than we're a family and we're going to work together. And even if you're just one child and one parent, you're still a team. Your family, your team. Absolutely. Your team yeah. family. That's what we say. Team family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm um, so which, which, um, just pausing for a second, which one are we on now? Which, which? Yeah, so I talked a little bit about um, harmony, then traditional behavior management. And then we have lessons from Mother Earth. This is one of the favorite. What do you learn? What do, what's an animal that you identify that you think is, you know, that you see? Oh, boy, they really get into that. And to do that with a parent and then the parent to be able to do that with a child, because there are a lot of lessons from Mother Earth. And, you know, whether it's a bear, you know, they'll do anything to protect their little bear cubs, you know. Mm -hmm. know? Being one with that connection, again, that you were talking about that connection with you know, ancestry and and elders, but also and, and community, but also connection with the earth. Right. And part of that is through observation. You have to keep children observing. Like, um, even if you're in the city, there there's still trees. What kind, Do you see how many different kinds of trees there are, different kinds of leaves? What kind of birds? Are there different kinds of birds? So you're helping them to be sensitive to what's around them mm-hmm. and that it's okay to, and being quiet is the way that you do that. Right. right. So, Just being so, present, being in the moment, noticing what's around you. Yeah. And so that helps children also to be calm. And if you have some kind of a, you know, even a routine that always after dinner, we read a story or is that always before you go to bed. So there's an expectation and, um, and yeah, and learning, and those are always learning the right way to live. Right. So um, seeing mother nature as a teacher, using them in story and um, and then that they are a part of nature. They're not separate from it. They are a part of it. That and interconnection piece. Yeah. That interconnection and helping them uh, to see that. You know, I'm sitting in this chair, but this chair, there was wood that somebody took from a tree and then somebody drove that wood, you know, to uh, build this chair and then somebody uh, recovered it and then it went to a store and then uh, finally that chair, I bought it and I made it home, but it came from that tree. Yeah, (laughs) it it went through a long journey. (laughs) (laughs) So everything is connected uh, to nature. And, um, and, you know, just learning about what those skills are for living, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and those skills often um, are choosing the kind of parent you want to be uh, and how you want to raise your children. You're hopeful 
that that they're going to want to pass that on to their children. Right. Parent often the way we're parents. So we can break that cycle. You know, as we're talking about these principles, what do you think about other people and, you know, other people outside um, of Indigenous people using some of these principles in traditional ways? Like, can anyone parent in the ways that um, positive Indian parenting encourages? You know, are we in cultural appropriation territory when non-Indigenous folks adopt the positive Indian parenting principles in their parenting? Well, actually, you know, when we do this training, um, often non-Natives come, therapists or uh, community health nurses, because they want to, you know, be the best ally they can. And often in the class, they'll, in the um, my training, they'll say, I could use this at home with my kids. That would be fine. I think the issue comes if you want to use our ceremonies and then charge people for it, that's a problem. But if you want to pass on our stories or our legends, you're not selling them or writing a book about them uh, where the tribe does not benefit in any way, then that's that's an issue. And And for years, people loved doing research on Native people but that's all they did. And, you know, after a while they said, well, why, why should we be doing this? We don't get anything back. We just hear all this negative Mm -hmm. research and, and from the lens of a non-native, which always made things not sound very positive. (laughs) One of the reasons that it's important to me to highlight uh, parenting practices that are not just mainstream sort of Anglo- parenting mm-hmm. practices. Um, it's because there's so much value in everything. There's so many things that have value. It isn't just this one group of people who have valuable things to impart. And I think it's really important um, for us to be able to learn from everyone. And and that this really spoke to me, Positive Indian Parenting, because I do feel like there is so much nurturing there. And it really does fit in very well with respectful parenting. Right. And, you know, we say take the best from both cultures. I mean, we certainly learned about timeout. That's not a traditional way. But timeout doesn't mean timeout until you feel better. (laughs) Right. And timeout is very short. And um, so but that can certainly be used with this curriculum. This curriculum fits well with any other parenting curriculum. So you're saying, you know, whatever you feel as a parent and whatever you're doing at home, you can incorporate these things into Mm -hmm. what you're already doing. What you're already doing. So, and there's lots of curriculums on child development and things like that. And that's more the emphasis. That isn't the emphasis. The emphasis here is really how do you listen uh, to your kids? How, what are ways that... Uh, we're taken away, that we're nurturing, loving, patient, um, that this is parenting. And you will hear parents who get involved with the system say, you know, Child Protective Services isn't letting me discipline my child because they think disciplining means hitting your child. Well, we never hit our children. We didn't beat them with the belt. Um, That was learned from colonization. And now, because mainstream has evolved, it's against the law, but it was always against uh, our way of doing parenting. 
And so for Indigenous families who are reconnecting with the old ways, um, as Terry Cross says, um, for the first time, what are the effects that you're seeing on their parenting, their mental health, when someone realizes, oh, this is something that I could do with my kids. This is something that I was not connected to before. And that's that's why I do this work. I just, um, um, because it is joyful to see a parent get to where they're defensive, to where they're, yes, there's a lot I can learn. I can learn from different tribes. I can learn from different people um, that there are many choices in parenting. And, um, and I could make the choice to be a positive parent. You don't, we're not telling you, but you can make that choice. And when they say, that's what I want to do, that's, I want to learn more, um, then that, you know, that's the place that we feel like, wow, we're doing good work. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. And I also want to ask you about if you've had similar experiences with people who are raising Native children, but they are not Natives themselves. You know, have you ever done positive Indian parenting in that in that dynamic? Yeah. So with foster parents, one of the things that we ask, it's not enforceable. We do ask for it in court uh, that there be a cultural plan. So we ask uh, whether foster or adopt, what's your plan to connect this child to their tribe? We tell them all the good reasons why, all the benefits why. And um, and so we have had foster parents or adoptive parents come to the positive name parenting. And, uh, and, and it's always been a good experience. It's never been, I have to say, when I teach on the Indian Child Welfare Act, I have had hecklers. <laughs> These are usually foster parents who feel like they have a right to have Native children and they think it's a horrible law. Wow. Um, but but par- foster parents who come to the positive parenting are really there because they want to be allies. They want to be a good parent. They want to do the right thing. Yes, yes. Just thinking about those principles and just thinking that there's so much in there's so much good in there and just good prompts for parents, you know, to listen, to slow down, to to be able to, you know, make some more space for their children in a relational way than maybe they already are. Well, great. Well, I really appreciate you inviting me. I feel honored to, and uh, I'm so happy to meet someone who's also a warrior for our children. So thank you. Absolutely. It was so wonderful talking with you. And for me, it's really important to be able to give people a different perspective, but a perspective that might be closer to what we're already doing than we even thought, you know, that we're not as different as we think we are sometimes. And with respectful parenting, this is all the things that you talked about today are things that I talk about a lot too with my clients and on the podcast, just really seeing children as people who have a voice and feelings that we can listen to and that that count as well as every bit as much as ours. Right. And I think that it might not be as different as people might think because I have read and heard that all cultures have had stories and legends and maybe, you know, coming to the United States, those things were left behind. So that was part of becoming an American. But as wonderful as the United States is, we really are based on a country of laws because if you came from Europe or wherever, you didn't go home on weekends or holidays. When you came to this country, you never look back and you really weren't allowed 
to talk about the old country. And so a lot, so there was probably certainly pain and um, that kind of trauma coming here or whether, you know, you were stolen from another country and brought here, right? And if you're a Native American, you were moved around and made to feel like a foreigner in your own country. So we all have this foundation and loss. And wouldn't that be wonderful to all come together and heal and around our children? I mean, what a wonderful way to come together. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. You can find out more about Lorraine at www.lorrainebrave.com. That's L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-B-R-A-V-E.com. You can find out more about my work with parents at www.brooklynparenttherapy.com and on Instagram at BK Parents. That's B-K-P-A-R-E-N-T-S. If you have more questions about positive Indian parenting or any other parenting questions or stories, leave me a message at 646-926-3243. And be sure to let me know if it's okay to use your voice on the show. Or send an email to parenthood at quickanddirtytips.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Project Parenthood on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Catch you next week. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide.